With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Advantage Connors. Coming to you as always, your co-host Jimmy and Brett Connors. I am in London, England, mate. Uh, across the pond from you, you're in Santa Barbara, California. How are you this evening? Yeah, what the hell? I mean, you, you're a world traveler. I know you've been mm-hmm. traveling since you've been three weeks old, but man, oh man, where you've been and what you've done and in, in, uh, over the past two weeks, or actually more, three, four weeks, and, and now you're in London at Wimbledon, and uh, Christ, are you ever coming home? <laughs> Come home and see us. Coming home, leaving tomorrow. Uh, went to the first three days here of Wimbledon. Um, yeah, this is our fourth episode while I've been on the road. So it's almost been a month here. It's been a fun, exciting time jumping around all over the world. Coming to you after a few days here in London. It's been a rainy first few days of the of the championships at SW19. Have you been uh, following anything that's going on? Kind of on and off a little bit, but uh, but no, not really. It, it's... Uh, uh, you know, I know, I know the weather's been bad and, and, uh, the, the matches that are on are, you know, what center court and, and, uh, in court one. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got some, some guys that, uh, let, let's see today's, you know, by, you know, by the time this comes out, it's probably, it's going to be Friday, Saturday. So you got people still in the first round. <laughs> right. So yeah. I think, I think I'll, I'll think I'll wait till everybody catches up and, uh, uh, you know, everybody's playing, uh, you know, the same round, but, uh, yeah, you know it's interesting though, Brett, uh, that that that's happening because you know we, if you're lucky enough to get on the, you know, one of the show courts that does have the roof, you know, you're getting your matches in. The other guys that are out in the field, right, they're going to be backed up, and eventually they're going to have to play if they win and they keep getting through. They're going to have to play, you know, two days, three days, you know, who knows in a row how many matches in a row, mm-hmm. you know, to catch up. And I go back to you know the old days and and uh, you know when the roof was, you know, not even in, uh, on anybody's mind. And, you know, you had, you know, I played one match, you know, back there, I played for three and a half days in one match. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now, uh, somebody's going to be behind. So those guys that have played on the center court, they're going to be able to get the rest, right. You know, they're going to be able to, you know, practice a little bit and, and to be prepared as opposed to, you know, grinding and rushing and, you know, trying to force yeah. the action to get into the third or fourth round or whatever. And, and, uh, it's going to be interesting, interesting yeah. to see what happens. Yep. Guys like, uh, Djokovic, uh, Sinner, 
Sinner played his first match on center court and then uh, on court one uh, today, Djokovic both on center court, Iga her first on first on court one and now center court. So they're already in the third round. And then you see like other matches. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a little dated. It comes out Friday morning early, but still like, you know, we're still going to be trying to get caught up then almost. So it's a little weird to see some people sitting there. Hey, like I'm still trying to win this first round. And then uh, the other guys are in the third but yeah, I, I had fun. It's, it's, it's fun to come here. Um, walked around, cruised around, checked out the, the practice courts a little bit. Went to your seats. Thank you very much for giving me those. It was fun. Took some, took some pictures. Got to watch Center and Djokovic, which was fun. And, and then Rabakina and Sabi. That was fun to watch them uh, up close. Uh, and then Murray. Murray, you're getting to watch Murray here in England at home in front of the crowd. They love him here. And Federer was in the front row of the crowd. That was kind of weird seeing him being in the crowd instead of on the court, especially watching, you know, one of the other guys kind of from his era. You know, I wasn't watching right. some new guys, watching a guy out there who's, you know, younger than him, but still a guy he battled against plenty of times out there. So, yeah, it's fun being here and it's it's fun checking in for a few days, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to come home, especially after Iceland. I guess I should kind of finish up my Iceland journey there a little bit. Yeah, I want to hear about that. That's that's uh, I'm interested. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was it was cool. Like I kind of use this as a I've always wanted to get like a van, you know, like a nice big van where you put a, a bed in the back, a little kitchen area and you kind of just you know go on long road trips and, and kind of disappear on the road somewhere and, and was using this as a little bit of a test to see how I like doing that. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, it gets, it gets a little funky in the van, you know, after, uh, after seven or eight days, but <laughs> uh, I bet, but let me, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, could you pull in places and, and are, did they have a scheduled stops where you could go in and, and park your van at night to sleep? Or could you just kind of pull in places and, you know, kind of, you know, hang out for a day or two. Well, technically you're not, you're only allowed to camp, uh, in designated campgrounds. I mean, you could kind of pull over and, and probably because f- the sun's up all day and night, you know, who knows who's camping, who's sleeping, who's not, but right. you know, but all over the place they have campgrounds. So, you know, you drive 20 minutes that way. There's one, you drive an hour that way or 10 minutes that way. They're kind of all over the place and, and you just pull in and, you know, some, some campers that need power can plug in and the one I had didn't. And so, you know, you paid 15 bucks uh, for the night, 20 bucks, whatever it is. And, and they let you camp and use like the, the showers and the bathrooms and stuff. And they usually have like a little kitchen area. So, you know, that, that was fun because you, it forces you to meet people and, you know, everyone's kind of doing the same thing you are. So you give tips to each other and, Hey, did you check out this waterfall and like check this beach out? And, and some of the people working at the facilities are really cool and, and they help you kind of, you know, point you in the right direction as, a, as to the spots to go to. So it was a lot of fun, you know, didn't sleep a lot because I felt like I was just going, 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 trying to do as much as I could while I was there, but, you know, highly recommended and, and, and had a lot of, and had a blast. Yeah, but you, uh, you, yeah, you, you packed an awful lot in, and some of the pictures that you sent back were were amazing. And we were talking to your sister and and Aubrey, who's who's down in Florida, and she said, "Oh my God!" She goes, "I wish I'd have known. I'd have met Brett there." Yeah, <laughs> you know, and 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 uh, so I said, "Well, next time he goes, you know, yep. or does something like that, you should go along. Yep. he'd love to have you." Yep, next well, time, maybe come along. I spoke out of turn. <laughs> <laughs> She's welcome to come anytime. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. And we just, we'll just get the camper up the next size up. If, uh, if somebody right. else wants to come along. So 
And then you also got your golf in. You were, you know, teeing off at 1130 at night. That's got to be an amazing feeling. Yeah, that was that was pretty neat. A couple of the campgrounds I, I pulled into, like had a golf course right next door to it. So I would do stuff all day and, you know, drive around, check out all the stuff and then, you know, go back to the campground and then just take my clubs, walk over and then go walk nine, you know, at, at 11 o'clock at night. You got the whole thing in. You got a little exercise. You did everything. Yep. And so let me let me ask you when when you took off and you left and you got back to London and you traveled there oh my god you know uh you know not even a year old and you know you've been on the road since you've been you know 3 weeks old and and uh going back being able to get around London did it bring back a lot of good memories Definitely I mean seeing the double decker buses and the black cabs and and London kind of has like a certain smell and sound I don't know to it the the sirens the european sirens are different than our sirens over there so that always takes me back a little bit but yeah, like I always remember growing up and, and, and being at the inn on the park, the, the hotel, right? Isn't that where we stayed? Right. Right. Yeah. And they had exactly. a hard rock, hard rock restaurant around the corner. So I used to get, exactly uh, right. used to get some grub there. But yeah, man, lots of good memories of being, being at Wimbledon. Speaking of rain delays, this popped into my head while I was out there. Do you remember you did two years of TV when your wrist was hurt because you couldn't play and for NBC? Right. And, uh, the second year you played, you were like starting to kind of come back for after your wrist surgery. So part of your contract was you were going to do the TV, but only after you had lost in the tournament. Remember that? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but even, even after my matches, I would go and do the TV. You're right. That's right. Yeah. But you weren't like fully dedicated. I remember you didn't have to go like fully do it until you were like out of the tournament. And the point is, exactly. is that it rained almost like the first, <laughs> the whole first week uh, of the tournament. It was like one of the first times they had to play on the middle Sunday. People listening now right. don't know because they play on the middle Sunday. They didn't used to play on the middle Sunday. And because they were so backed up, they had to. And you played your, I think it was your third round match, eventually lost. And then, you know, you, you were 100% NBC. But it was just funny because it ended up being delayed because of the rain. That's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, I lost on that middle Sunday and, uh, you know, they, they just opened the gates and, and let the fans come in and, and the center court was packed, which was great. And, and, uh, but, but I'd look up in the Royal box and, and then there wasn't one seat in the Royal box taken because, uh, and, and I guess that was just from the tradition and, uh, that they wouldn't come, but it really didn't bother me because it was pretty empty every time I played on the center court anyway. Oh. So <laughs> I don't know about that. I remember I'm, I'm such an ass. You, you, Aren't I an ass? <laughs> <laughs> you remember they were doing the wave. I remember it was one of the first times they did like the wave on center court or something because it was raining and there was a delay and the people were like jacked up and ready to go and, and get you guys back out there. I think you played Derek Ristanio. Is that right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Good memory. That's exactly right. You hyperextended your knee on the grass because it was a little wet. And I remember being underneath uh, in the tunnel with uh, Norris, Bill Norris, trainer, MVP of the tour for many years. And he was like kind of checking you out and trying to get you ready to go back out there. Right. It was, uh, that was, that was an amazing experience to be able to play on the middle Sunday. And, and, uh, you know, when they opened the gates and, and just let the fans in, I mean, it was a totally different field than, than really any other day that, that I had ever played at Wimbledon. And, and, uh, you're right. The, you know, the wave and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the people and yelling and, and, uh, you know, yelling encouragement. And I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was an amazing crowd and an amazing feeling. Uh, yeah, that was pretty special, pretty exciting. Well, it's crazy you think uh, that they did that they used to be a 13-day tournament 
trying to get all these matches in, in a part of the world that during the summer gets a lot of rain that they were able to do it so many years and not have to finish on like Mondays and stuff is, is kind of crazy. That would be a good point, but you know, maybe our, our next podcast to find out how many Monday finals Wimbledon actually did have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that would be hard to do. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try to find that, but that, I don't think many you're right to get it in and they moved it along, got through it. That's pretty good. Yep. Definitely pretty good. So hopefully they'll be able to move it along here. We'll get some, uh, some better weather as the week goes on and get back on track. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I'm get off here with you guys and start to pack up and, and get ready to head to the airport and come back to reality. I got to get back to work come back and see the golden doodle and uh check in on uh on the on the real world now you've you've had a good month and uh you know way of doing your thing and i know travel's always uh you know been one of your favorite things to do and we miss you here too so i'm not going to keep you much longer it's you know i always say you know in that plane you make sure you call me let me know everything's going good yeah, so yeah. that you're on it and getting ready to take off but you fly safe tomorrow and i'll be seeing you this week when you get home and you get a little rest and i'll come down and we'll go have dinner that sounds good but uh i'm gonna go ahead and throw to our guest we had a special guest i ran into a buddy of mine here in london a co-worker mr nico Pereira. oh nice former atp pro commentator is a part of the ATP board, does a lot of stuff like that. A lot of charity work, lives in Florida with his family. He's one of the most personable guys, got a great personality. He was nice enough to join me for a good 30 minutes here. So we've gone ahead and added that to the back end of of our discussion here. So I'll be tossed into that here. After we recorded, we had a fun day in London. We went to some museums. We went and had a steak at a great steakhouse. Uh, we watched tennis. It was, uh, it was a really fun day in London with Nico. So let's go ahead and get to that right now. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. One of the things I love about Indeed is it does a lot of the work for me. I'm out here on the road, I'm traveling, I'm camping, I'm going to tennis tournaments, I'm podcasting, I'm doing work. So if I need to hire, I want somebody who's going to help me do a lot of the busy work, the gathering stuff, and help me so I can just go to one-stop shop. Indeed's my one-stop shop. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only search according to US Indeed data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post on indeed.com slash Connors. That offer is only good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash Connors. Just go to indeed.com slash Connors and support the show by saying you heard all about it here on this podcast, Advantage Connors. Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? Well, then you need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Coming to you from London, England, your co-host as always, Brett Connors, here with a very special guest today. My co-worker, former ATP player, commentator, man of many hats, Mr. Nico Pereira. How are you today, sir? Always great to talk to you, man, especially from such a special place like London during this time of year. What a wonderful event we're, we're witnessing. But uh, first time on the show, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, a little nervous, huh? Yeah, we wanted to get you on for a long time. Uh, had to run into you here in London to do it, coming to you from, uh, from the lobby of your hotel. I walked over. We were at the tennis yesterday. A lot of rain going on the first couple of days. They're backed up here. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Um, talk to me about your early thoughts coming into the, uh, the tournament here with uh, just the first two days under our belt. I hadn't been here for a few years because of the, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, this place, they're always improving. I'm just mesmerized by the, 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 how meticulously they go about their business. The new tunnel when we arrive, the security measures, the courts just keep getting better and better. And, uh, and London is such a special place during the championships. You know, all the players are kind of in awe of the situation and, and the members uh, being the only tournament that it's played in a, in a members club. I think it gives it a special feeling and players can really appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, played in a private club. The only, uh, only, is it the only tournament all year? Oh yeah. Well, the only, the only big tournament. Yeah. Right. So what is it that's different? It seems like a lot of the players today, the grass season's so short, Right. It's like, you know, three, three weeks, three tournaments, something like that. Um, no masters, one thousands. Then you get Wimbledon and then boom, back to the clay, back to the hard courts. Do you think that the players, some of them have almost like written off the grass? They, they, they take it for granted. Oh, it's just these few weeks and, and I don't want to change my game too much. I'm a clay. Most, most people are more clay quarters these days because there's so many more tournaments. What is it about, you know, the, this season that's so fun and, and that, you know, players should focus more on? Well, ATP is working hard on, on getting Halle or Queens to be a, a thousand. So, so players give it a little bit more importance. But to me, the footing, you know, we talked about this. It's uh, five, seven percent of the year that it's played on this surface. I think the, the better movers have a big advantage. You know, it's tough for the tall guys, as we were discussing. Uh, but no, I don't think anybody writes it off. It's the a, it's a biggest and baddest tournament on the planet. Uh, I think, you know, they play enough. We had the, we have the Newport week after. So that's a, that's an extra week, especially for the American guys to, to transition from, from Wimbledon. But, uh, before they did, a lot of the clay quarters didn't want to come, but since the grass changed and it's now, it's not such a radical change of pace, the ball bounces a bit higher. I feel everybody is, it's a hundred percent into it. Right. Well, talk to me about the surface. Um, you know, everyone always talks about a lot of the, the surface now is more homogenized. They all play a lot more similar. But back when you played or back when, when Jimmy played, it, it, there was a big difference. You'd come from the clay to the grass or the grass to the hard court, and you would have to make, you know, bigger adjustments than I feel like the players have to do today. So what is it about the grass today that's so different when people talk about it? Well, it's just that the blade is different. Before it was a single blade, so the ball would skip um, making it a lot faster. It's, it, it was a, a big advantage for the big servers and the, the, the attacking players. And then we just saw the way the courts react to it. Uh, they're basically full of grass until, until the finals before you said a term yesterday, bruised, bruised before they used to get uh, bruised. And so after 
after the first uh, four or five days of play, the serves would not go as fast because it that grass disappeared from the surface and made it a lot different. But the first four days were a lot faster than they are nowadays. Yeah, that, that's interesting that the, the surface would literally like change as the, the tournament would progress, where every other tournament, you're used to the, hey, it's the same surface as it was last match. It's going to be the same next match. Um, well, talk to me. You said about Americans. Now we have two top 10 Americans with Taylor Fritz. We got uh, Francis Tiafo. You know, we got, some, we got Coco Goff. We got Pagula on the women's side. Goff took a loss to, to another uh, American, Kinnan, this week. So talk to me about the Americans' chances coming in. I like Tiafo, man. I love what he's been doing. I really um, complimented uh, Wayne Ferreira the other day because of the way he has helped Francis. Uh, Taylor has been doing a great job for a long, long time. I just feel that on this surface, Francis has a lot more chances because of, of his quickness, uh, the complete game. I think he's more comfortable inside the paint, as I like to call it. And he's in the up and up, just started, you know, just coming into the top 10. So I think for Francis, uh, this is a better situation than for, than for Taylor, although I wish them all, you know, uh, the best. And uh, on the woman's side, I think Pegula can benefit. If it's not too sunny and the ball is a bit lower, I think she can benefit because she's a great counter puncher. And I, I feel the harder the, you play uh, against her, uh, the better. You know, and, and Coco still has a lot to work on. She, she's amazing at her age, how quickly she has risen and how, how she uh, takes care of her, her business. You know, it's just a mishap. They will have it. In the, I feel in the woman, you will see a lot more uh, surprises. So, so Pegula, I like her chances. She looks uh, very confident. Hasn't had the years she would have liked up to this point, but it could happen at, at any moment. Definitely. Still uh, just, you know, halfway through the year, a lot of, a lot of tournaments left for her. Um, what about Benny Shelton? Another American. He slipped in there when, uh, when Kyrgios pulled out, he got a seed 32nd. Uh, I mean, he's a good mover, fast lefty on, on the grass is always good. Does he have a chance here? Definitely. He has a chance everywhere. He's so, uh, such a good athlete, you know, and with, and with that serve, he's got the new coach on his corner. You know, we were talking about with Dino yesterday, Dean Golfin, who, who was working with him said, Hey, listen, his father wants to take the coach's seat now and he retired from a 24-year brilliant collegiate uh, coaching career. So it's great to see Brian back on, in the circle with that big smile. So uh, let's see how, how that translates into his, his son's play. He coached him in college, had an unbelievable career in, in college. So I, I think he's getting a maybe a, an emotional lift with his dad around. So big things to expect from this kid. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him. First trip around the calendar here on the tour. All right, let's get into the contenders here on the men's side. We got Djokovic, huge favorite, minus 165 coming in, into the tournament. Carlos, about three and a half to one. Seems to be top heavy. After that, it gets to 16 to one with Medvedev and I think Sinner. They're, they're kind of around the same area, which is a huge drop off for the third favorite, like we talked about last week. Talk to me about Joker. Talk to me about Alcaraz. What, what are you looking for? Does, does Alcaraz have a shot? Djokovic is going for the Grand Slam, still alive. I think that... that what you just mentioned is it's important. You know, I think uh, Djokovic has that in his mind that would just cement his his position as as the leader of the, the you know winning the most. And I think it, it weighs on him like it weighed uh, when he didn't accomplish it at the U.S. Open uh, some years ago. I believe it was uh, two years ago. 
So I think that that's going to weigh on him. I think he has a lot more chances to win here than in New York if he happens to win here and go, goes into that. So I think I think that's an interesting factor. Alcaraz winning a Queens, an impressive matter, I think uh, will help his his confidence. He already has that experience of having lost the to me, the biggest match of the year so far, that, that match against Djokovic in, in Paris, everybody was uh, had high expectations uh, on that match, on that surface, which is the one that he has more chances of beating Djokovic. So he played that match in his mind for 48 hours. So when he got to it, he kind of mentally froze. And that, to me, that, that was the, the reason why he cramped. It was more emotional than, than physical, definitely. And after those guys, I, I have to put Sinner, Tiafo, and uh, Musetti. After that, I like, I like Musetti. I like the way he played. And maybe he's mentally not ready for something like this, but the kid has seemed to uh, come off that, sl- that slump after his, his great start on tour. He's got, he's got all the tools. Maybe he needs to get a little bit stronger to contend in these big events, but I'm expecting good things from, uh, from him in the future. Yeah. Musetti, a lot of flash, a lot of fun. He's a tough guy. He's burnt me in the gambling, uh, <laughs> department a couple times. So, uh, he needs to work on his consistency. I think you're right. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of flash, a lot of fun to watch. You talked about his cramping. He cramped at the French. He also cramped remember a little bit against center in Miami. Right. What's going on with that? Like Jimmy talked about this too, that he might've it mentally like wore himself out. And then you're kind of talking the same thing. He played the match out in his head for two days beforehand. He gets out there and it's almost like he's exhausted. Is that what's going on? Is it mental or is it a training thing? Is it just not hydrating correctly? I don't think it's a training thing. This guy leaves and breathes tennis. All he does is everything to perfection in order to get to the court in, in the best uh, shape possible. I just think he was anxiety. You know, it, it's happened to a lot of people. Some guys couldn't play Davis Cup, remember, because it, it's just such a big responsibility that mentally they just get spent and uh, they give almost a bit too much. In Miami, I believe he was coming from Indian Wells where he played really well. Conditions in Miami are completely different. They're very trying. It was very humid. So I think it could have been a combination, but he had already won Miami. He had already won Indian Wells. I don't think it was a pressure-like situation there. I feel it was completely different. It was physical there, but it was mental at the French. So is that one of those things when we talk about, hey, Alcaraz has the youth, Djokovic has the experience, that's one of those things, experience, where Joker knows, look, I wore myself out when I was supposed to play Fed once or Joker or Murray when I was 20. And then you learn over your career to just, hey, kick back, you get ready, you prepare like normal. When the match gets there, then you focus on it. Definitely. And, and, and Djokovic, we talked about this. If you grab the stat of big points won, Djokovic is a guy that I don't know it, but I'm sure it's 80% or better. He just knows when to crank it up. And, and tennis players uh, sometimes don't realize the winner only only wins a few more points than the loser in the match. It's just winning the right points and taking care of business when you need to do so. And Djokovic knows this better than most. And, and you see the laser focus when the time comes, almost like Pete Sampras used to do in the end of sets. Of course, Pete had that, that huge weapon. Well, look at Djokovic's record in tiebreaks. 
He just knuckles down and does not give you anything. And opponents know that. So they put pressure on themselves and, and that makes a big difference. Right. A little bit like, like fed. I feel like fed almost would, when he was in his prime, would lull the opponent into thinking like, Hey, I'm playing pretty good. I'm in, I'm holding it's two all it's three all. And then around four all three all or four all fed would get down to business break and six, four set. It's a big difference with those guys in terms of confidence too. They've been there so many times. They've played so many times on the pressure situations. You see a guy that is going to play against a top guy, say a Djokovic, a Federer, a Nadal. He prepares like he's the most important match uh, or the most important day in his tennis life. These guys is just business as usual. They've been there so many times and they just know how to react to it. And, and in that situation, everything slows down for them. You know, I couldn't tell you because I was not one of those guys, but I, I, I've seen it enough on court side that you can see them. We talked about the breathing, how important it is. These guys just know exactly how to go about it. And more often than not, they're the ones coming out on top. Right. And Djokovic has been into that stuff for a long time. The, the grounding, you know, with his feet on the, on the, on the grass and the earth and the breathing and the gluten and his diet and stuff like that. So talk to me about, what about Runa? Olga Runa, this is, we were talking about this with dad last week. It's still his first kind of calendar trip you know, a trip around the calendar where he's been like a guy, you know, this guy where you're like, Hey, he could win any week. Is he somebody who can do well on the grass? Impressive. This kid, you know, he is so sure of himself. Irreverent would be the word I, I would tag him with. And he, uh, he just believes in himself and, and, and his abilities. I am yet to see him play on the grass, to be honest want to see his footing, you know, how he, how he goes about his business. I just think at the moment, he's a bit too defensive. Uh, he would, I would have to see how he adjusts his game to a great ball striker, great fighter, great grinder. I want to see how low to the ground he's going to move on the grass to see, depending on who he plays. I don't think his serve is as big a weapon as it will be in the future. Tremendous upside with this kid. I just love the fact that he's into the tennis and that he has risen so fast. It will be certainly be very interested to see how he develops. Yeah, I like watching him a lot. I, I like that he kind of embraces a little of the villain role, you know, where he plays to the crowd. And if they're rooting for the other guy, it doesn't bother him. Some people it bothers and they fall apart with him. He, he steps into it and he embraces it. Talk to me about one of our favorites here, Yannick Sinner. Friend of the podcast, Darren Cahill has been working with him now for, you know, nine months, 10 months or whatever it is. And we were talking about this yesterday about some strategy stuff with Sinner. Because Sinner, we're waiting for him to kind of have that breakthrough, you know, make a semi at a slam or win a Masters 1000. And to me, he's got more game than almost anybody out there. He's so much fun to watch. I watched a Monday night on Sinner Court. Talk to me about some of the things he needs to do to kind of take that next step. I love Yannick. Uh, I was introduced to him by his, his first coach, Ricardo Piatti, when he was 15. I w went to watch him play since he was a kid. Very, very down-to-earth guy. Loved the way he goes about his business. And it was impressive that he broke with Piatti so early. But you know the guy had his head on his shoulders when he hires someone like Darren Cahill. Darren Cahill is... You, know, you cannot say, you know, good enough things about him, you know, the way he, he does things, how professional he is, how well he sees the game. I've known Darren since I'm very, very young. 
And uh, I like what he has done. I saw some of the changes already in Miami, the way he changed his footwork on the serve, the way he's helped Yannick. Because if, if, he, if he had a fault, it was, it was predictable. He would always hit to the open space. He didn't use the angles too much. He always played at the same speed. So the guys, after uh, a few months with all, with all these analytics, they knew exactly what to expect of him. So now Yannick has learned to improvise a little bit more. He He's coming into the net. He's not quite there yet, but if you want to uh, improve at the net, the first thing you have to do is is lose the, the fear. Uh, fear in the sense of feeling like a fish out of water when you step into the paint. So, and, and he has done so. If he manages to capitalize on that and become a player that when he goes to the net to finish out points, uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on, on any surface. So huge upside again on, on, on Yannick, and I wish him the best. Yeah, he seems like one of those guys where like once he has that breakthrough, it's going to click, and then it's going to just start coming in bunches. It looks that way. You know, he's so organized. I mean, he, he, he's not kidding me. He's not, he's not Italian in his mentality. So this, so this is a guy that's very organized that I think will benefit a lot from, from the relationship with, with Cahill. He seems to be surrounding himself with the right people. He, he's one of those young guys that needs to put a bit more meat on those bones, which is something that for the male players happens at around 23, 24. That's what I... That's why we don't see or, or, or we hadn't seen the younger guys win for so long. Alcaraz just bulked up tremendously, and I, I just think he's just a, a super athlete. But, but in the case of Tsitsipas, you know, we, we saw him getting stronger. In the case of Sasha Zverev, we saw him getting stronger. Well, I, I feel Sinner is one of those guys. He still needs to, to buff up a little bit more to make that click you were talking about. Right. And you, you know, you see one guy like Alcaraz be this physical specimen at 18, 19, and then you expect, well, everybody, you know, you think everybody's supposed to be like that, but everybody matures at different times with their own genetics. And I mean, I remember I was under six feet until I was like 16. I was like five, nine, five, 10. And then one summer I grew like three or four inches. I came back, I was over six feet. So like people grow at different rates and, and it'll be fun to kind of see, see, see where he goes once he uh, puts that muscle on. I mean, he had that great match against Alcaraz, that five setter last year. And I mean, he looks like he's put on some muscle. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's just going to take time. He's a big guy too. He has the advantage of, of the skiing past and then he has great balance for a guy his size. But uh, once, once he gets a, a bit more muscle, the serve will become more of a factor, and then his movement forward will improve. And I think him being able to stay low for a guy so tall is going to be a huge benefit because he has that long reach as well. Yeah, and he's pretty good at redirecting. I mean, he was having some, some bang-bang rallies the other night. It was uh, pretty impressive to watch. If your business earns millions or tens of millions of revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen right now. Because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer that we've ever seen here at Advantage Connors. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six whole months. That's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need. 
in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. Look, I've been doing this podcast stuff for a long time, and not often does an offer like this come across the desk. But we have one for you today. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special financing offer at netsuite.com slash Connors. That's netsuite.com slash Connors to get the visibility and the control you need to weather any storm. netsuite.com slash Connors. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, let's, let's switch to the women's side. It seems to be top-heavy with the favorites. We got Iga, Elena, and Sabi. Uh, Elena looking to go back-to-back back Wimbledons here. Um, Iga, the prohibitive favorite, though. She's 3-1. to one. I think Sabi and Elena are 4-1. to one. And then Pagula, you got Garcia. Jabor was the finalist last year. Golf already gone. Uh, Maria Kvitova, a little bit of a sleeper, winning one of the prelims, winning Miami this year. She's always dangerous on the grass. Kasakina, I know you like her. Krychikova. Udermatova, Hadad Maya, not a bad grass quarter. So what are you looking at when you look at the women's side? Well, you have the big banger on Kvitova. She's won here before, sleeper, as you mentioned. But Sviantek and and Rybakina are, to me, head and shoulders above the rest, especially on this surface. And I would favor Rybakina over over Sviantek having won last year. Pegula, we spoke about this earlier. She's a counterpuncher. It could be her week. She's not coming in with the confidence that she had last year at this stage. And then Jabur with that backhand slice, always a threat here in the grass. Kasatkina quietly slipping back into the top 10. It, it's, it's someone interesting, but she, I just don't think she has the power. She will be overpowered on, on, on this surface. And you mentioned Hadadi Maya. I mean, she'd never been past the second round on, on, on a major and all of a sudden she has that breakthrough at 27 and uh, does really well at the French. I like the way she played at the French. I just don't know if she's familiar enough with the grass to do well. But a player like Bencic, she's an all-court player. She's not afraid to come into the net if she's physically fit. She could also, she could also you know, give some, somebody a hard time. And, and Maddie Keys. Mariki has always been, we've always been waiting for that, that breakthrough. She seems to be very content training with, with, the, with her companion Bjorn Frantangelo now. And, 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 and why not? She could have, she could have a good week and, and, and go all the way. But again, in, in the women, you have that emotional uh, component that, that uh, you, you don't have so much in the men. It's a tough read uh, at the start of the tournament. Ask me halfway through the tournament, and I think we're going to have a better idea. Yeah, a little tough we're, because of the rain. We're uh, sitting here on Wednesday and not having as many results uh, to look at, so we're just kind of trying to keep it vague. Yeah, someone, Garcia, feels like she should be okay. She's got that good serve. She's, you know, won a, won a tournament on three different surfaces just last year alone. 
but her her consistency, she kind of streaky. She comes and she'll be good for a month or two, and then she kind of disappears a little bit. Talk to me about Ega. This seems to be the one surface that Ega likes the least. What is it about this surface that you know makes Ega not be as big of a favorite as she would be at some of the other slams? I think the footing. It's the toughest footing around. The hard courts, you're sure. The clay, you know you're going to slide. The grass, you don't know. If you play it in a sunny day or if you play at the end of a day, it might be a little slippery. I just don't think she feels secure enough. If you look at her shots, her power shots, she's always in, has a good base with her feet. And I think grass just gives her trouble that way. Maybe in time with a little bit more experience, she learns how to, how to position herself better. But to me, that's been the, the main difference between the Iga that we see on the grass and, and, and the number one player in the world that we see on the other surfaces. So like, it seems like a play, the players that'll give her problems would be the big hitters, the people who take that time away, making her have to kind of quick, quick movements and you know, lose the footing. So is, is, what about Sabalinka? Because we know Elena can win. I mean, play well here. She won here last year, Rabakina. Sabi seems like somebody that should be okay, right? I mean, a big hitter, when her serve is on, it's pretty good. She can dictate and take the racket out of the other opponent's hand. What do you think about that? I love her. I love the way she plays. I love her fire, her passion. But we go to consistency on the serve. You know, she can go away and, and just give away a, a, a service game. And, and at that level, it's just too big of an advantage. You know, they're playing, they're playing too consistent. They're playing too well. But, hey, she's a number two player in the world. She can win any week. And she manages to contain that fire and, and, and point it in the right direction, she's always going to be a candidate to, to win any title. I think winning her first major uh, might unleash something. And why not? You know, she would be a, a great player to have for the next 10, 12 years near the top. She brings the fire. She's colorful. I, I like the temperament. And uh, uh, she's easy on the eyes as well. Definitely. Definitely. She's a really cute personality, fun to watch. Like you said, she's fiery out there, but then she doesn't take herself too serious. That's what I like is like, she can kind of laugh at herself even in the moment where she's double faults a game away and she still almost smiles. What about Rabakina? You know, kind of broke on the scene last year, you know, was people had talked about her. She was this kind of young phenom, big hitter, and then boom, wins Wimbledon. I mean, she's kind of made for this tournament. She's a little bit like Kvitova, where she's big serve, you know, big forehand, in, point, in points quick. Can she go back to back? I think she's a favorite. She's uh, asserted herself. She's very confident and believes in herself. You can see it when she talks on, on, on the pressers, you know, that, that she's mature beyond her years and, and uh, has all the tools. Certainly looked good in her debut. Uh, looks very strong. And she's lighter on her feet than uh, Sviantek. I think she has a big advantage in that, uh, in that department, a bit uh, shorter wind-up than Sabalenka. Sabalenka has a big wind-up that sometimes can hurt her as well. So to me, she's, she's the favorite on the women's side. All right. So, you, so you're taking Rabakina on the women. Give me your men's winner. Oh, come on, man. Who else? Who, who's going to be crazy enough to pick against Nolly, man. You can't pick against Nolly. Well, we're just, with all due respect to, to the other 126 guys, we're all, we're all waiting for a Carlitos and a Nolly final. You think we get it? 
I think we get it. I'm going to be positive on that one. Yeah. I like it. All right. Moving on. Talk to me about just you when you were a player. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but when you were a player coming to Wimbledon versus now, you have more time, your focus is different. When you were probably a one track mind, you would get there, practice. Where's my courts? Where's my rackets? Where's the ball? You know, where's my food? Where's the bed? But now, you know, commentating, doing all the different things you do around tennis, are there some things that you're able to appreciate and kind of pay attention to and, and notice more when, when you come to visit the SW19? Oh, definitely. I was so unprepared, uneducated, coming from a little town in Uruguay. I remember when they told me I got into the juniors, I was 14 years young and I was playing some tournaments in Italy and coming here is, you know, like, like paradise. And yes, a lot of regrets, but you learn, you know, the, the people here are so gracious and, and they have so much history, so much tradition. Like you say, I saw it as a, as a player. Then I, I've worked at it uh, as a commentator. Now I come as a, a part of uh, the ATP and, and, and uh, the Hall of Fame group. And, and you just appreciate it in, in a different way. You know, it's here, it's here to stay. It's way bigger than any player. And the deference that uh, everybody shows when, when you step into those grounds, it's, it's something to be respected. And, and uh, you just feel honored to be here. It's just, it's just great to come every year. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's my favorite tournament of the year. Um, for everyone out there, Nico and I are co-workers. We work together at Tennis Channel a lot. And uh, so he's not just a guest. I think we're going to go hang out here and maybe cruise around London, check out a museum or two. What do you think we got planned for the rest of the day? I have to go and check it out. You know, I, I have not stayed in the city for 30 years, always stayed in the village near the club because we pro practically had to be there from first to last ball. And then when you were a player, you just want to stay in a, in a quieter environment than, than a city. So I made it a point to stay, to stay here in London. There is many things, many sites to go and check out. Food has improved tremendously, so we're going to treat ourselves to a wonderful meal, I am sure. And it is a great day to cruise around because yesterday it rained all day. Not the case. So we're going to make the best of this one. The sun's out, and so that means the boys are out. So thank you, Mr. Pereira. I appreciate you coming on Advantage Connors. We'll get you on again with the old man someday for a full episode. But thanks so much. Any last words you got? Oh, it's just a pleasure to be in the show for the first time. Send my, my hellos to Pops over there. Look forward to, to joining the, the, the show the, the next time. But what a, what a way to start. Uh, the best tournament of the year. And I just wish everybody enjoys it. And, uh, and we have another great Wimbledon. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.